Moses. And I, and I think there's a lot of people we could look at, but Moses had an incredible opportunity. Uh, but there were many obstacles as well. And some of them were external, uh, uh, separate to Moses, but some of them were internal as well. And so we're learning what it means to follow God, that even sometimes we have our own resistors and our own sense of reluctance at times to actually follow God. And so we want to unravel the journey that Moses had, but also the journey that may be similar to our journey at times. And so we're going to do that again today in week three. And uh, you can go on the, on the website and you can actually go there directly and listen to uh, weekly messages. Uh, maybe not every week, just depends. Uh, but most weeks will we'll be there and uh, the recent messages are up there now if you choose to do that. At, you can go to www.ub.church or just ub.church and it will get you into the website. Well, I think this is a very encouraging series to look at. I think that at the end of the day, if we are not following God, what are we doing? I think if the church is not following God, what are we doing? And I think we have an answer, we have a responsibility to follow God in the way and the capacity that we can do that. We can't do the things that maybe we did when we were a bit younger, I get that. But we're learning this journey, uh, that what it means for us, and I think that's what it is. It's not trying to say, well, I can't do what you do, or what that person does, or what I used to do, but rather, what can you do that God's asking you to do, that's separate to everyone else? So we're going to continue. And so we know that, essentially, Moses is in in the desert, Midian, and uh, he's had an encounter with God. So guess what? We're still in chapter 3 of Exodus. And I think we could be here for a whole month, but we're not going to do that. But I I think we're just going to tie it up a little bit in this sense of where Moses is at. What we're discovering is how Moses is battling with this idea. He's dealing with the stuff of the past. Well, we think he is. And we realize that there's some challenges as we go into some of these other chapters that that Moses hadn't dealt with. And so God is just saying, you know what, I don't care how broken you are, Moses. I don't care what works or doesn't work or what's right or what's, what's not right. I'm calling you. I'm calling you by name. You are chosen. You are adored. You are loved. You are valued. And I need you, Moses. This is, this is where we're at. And so we've looked a little bit at how Moses uh, is caught by, or was distracted by God by the burning bush. And so this is the the conversation that goes on from verse 9 of Exodus chapter 3. And now God is speaking, uh, Now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So God is feeling, you know, he said, break our heart for what breaks yours. This is the conversation God's having right now with Moses. My heart is breaking. Moses, my heart is breaking. I hear the cry. You don't hear the cry, Moses, but I hear the cry of the Israelites. It has reached me. So in verse 10, he says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. This is a new Pharaoh. The Pharaoh that hated Moses, didn't like Moses, he's dead. There's a new one in. So essentially, in this time of 40 years of waiting, we now have an opportunity where Moses may be able to go back now into Egypt and not be killed. And so this is where I think in the whole scheme of God's planning, He takes us. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring out the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and they say, and, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And uh, they asked me, what is his name? That's probably a good, good conversation, a good thought to have. He was thinking ahead. Good on you, Moses. Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Again, there's an added sense of revelation here. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord your God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Moses is having the most wonderful dialogue with God. And absolutely, you could not get a more pristine conversation than what we have just read. We get a sense of what hurts God and, and shapes our lives and, and our environment. We get a sense of what God can see. So here's the first thought. First thought is go. The challenge to Moses, I've called you Moses. I've seen the misery. I've seen everything going on. I've heard the cry, but I'm saying go. Moses had to deal with this. This is simply, it's not even really for debate. Go. So now I, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, this is in verse 10, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he came and spoke to them, to disciples, and said, all power has been given to me on heaven and earth, that, that you go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, nothing's changed with go. Go is still go. In fact, you've probably heard it, that, that God's name is two-thirds. It's spelled go. There's an element where we just get this sense, we've got to go. But go is scary. It's one of those scary words that we, we hear. And I know that when we say, God, if this is the most dangerous prayer you could pray, God, I will do anything that you want me to do. <laughs> That's scary. God, you send me wherever, to whoever, whatever. That's scary, but it's also very brave. It's very courageous. It's scary because God may take you up on that. When I first became a Christian, I was actually quite afraid because some friends of mine who were just niggling me a little bit saying, God's going to send me to Africa. And I was just like, oh, you know. And one day they actually, I don't know if I shared the story, they put a big amplifier on there. We lived next door to them and on their farm sort of shaped house at the big veranda, a big speaker was there. And in the morning, I hear this voice, Louis, go to Africa. <laughs> I wake up, I said, Gabe, I gave, the Lord is speaking to us. I don't want to go. And Gabe says, what? I said, listen, listen. And, and, and a couple of minutes later, Louis, go to Africa. And I'm really like, oh, no, I oh, know. Can you hear it? This is the audible voice of God. But it. But it, there was something strange about it. So we, we got up and we went out in our little unit that we had just got married and we're living in this little unit and we look and then we see a speaker but we couldn't see anyone. I said, oh, jeez. Here's my youth leader too. Yeah, he, uh, new Christian. I'm a little bit gullible. Uh, anyway, so we've got to go. We're going to serve God. And this is the thing that we learn, is, I've learned in living, is that there's living and then there's living. Living that's focused on self, and Yvette mentioned that this morning, that when we look at ourselves and we focus on ourselves, well, that's not really living. Living is really not about what it is about me, but what, what can I do and what's God asking me to do? 
I want you to know that when Jesus sends us out, as he has and he continues to do so, as he did with Moses and all the saints that have gone before us, in reality, he's not only just sending us out to do something, but he's sending us out in, with him to experience God in the midst of it. So not only are we going to share and minister to people, but God wants to also share and minister into our hearts. So the going is not only for the recipients, the going does something in us. And you know that. We're talking about having mission trips and short-term trips overseas and, and to different places. And to, uh, you know when people come back from a mission trip, there's a buzz because they've just been right on the front line. There's a buzz of faith and we saw this and we saw that. When we went to the, to, to the, uh, the Philippines on the missions trip, we got an opportunity where they've never seen really white people. We felt like the Beatles. Uh, seriously, we felt like there was just people everywhere. We had to get crowds into, into a shed and, and stayed there for a little bit. There was armed guards and everything else going on. And there was this crowd. All, they wanted to touch us and see us because we're white. I'm not so white, but, you know, white compared to them. And so it was an amazing opportunity. And we had this evangelistic meeting and we prayed. And I got the opportunity to pray for a lot of people and I'm a new Christian learning about this faith walk and this journey walk. And so here I am in this expression of go. And what was amazing, there was a lady there who looked pregnant. She had this massive cyst on her stomach, massive. I thought she was pregnant. And, you know, you never ask a lady if she's pregnant unless you really, really know. Okay, this is the guys, don't do that. I've never done that, but I know someone who has. So anyway, that someone is connected to my family. So anyway, she had this big cyst. And so I'm just childlike faith. I prayed for her. This thing just started to shrink and it dropped on the ground. Man, did my faith level go from here to here? I'm like, oh, there's crying, there's jumping up and down, there's celebration. I'm like, ah, God did it. And I'm just like, I didn't know God was going to do it, you know, through me. And I'm like, ah. It was an amazing time. And we saw just like revival break out. It was amazing. God says go for a reason. See, it's not about us. It's about Him. And that leads me to the second point. Who am I? Moses. Moses, get this. But who am I? You say go, God, but who am I? I, I, I can't do it. I'm not that guy I once was. I'm just looking after some sheep. I'm just, a, I'm just a shepherd now. Moses was going through some battles. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? This is such a wrong question. God chose Moses. He's having conversation with Moses. I've, I've called you. I've said, you can go. I believe in you, Moses. Some of us need to know that God believes in us. And, and though, though we get it wrong, God is for us, not against us. Somehow Moses started to believe his own thought patterns and thought lives and mindset that said, I can't do it. I'm no good. See, what happened there was a journey where Moses at one point, when he killed that Egyptian, I wonder if Moses started to think about the promises of Abraham and Isaac. And I just wonder if he thought he is going to be maybe the deliverer. Maybe he could be that one. And maybe slaying that Egyptian was maybe his way of making this happen. 
There's some thought to that. But God wants Moses to know that it's not about what you can do or don't do. It's just that you listen to me. and You can do anything. You can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4, 13. Moses demonstrates that he has no more confidence to lead, to go. But he has the confidence to argue. They figure. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine just the other day and he woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and he said, God spoke to me. He said, I woke up so clearly. And God called me to do something. He said, it's not what you normally want to do. So I won't say what it is. But he was told, to, he really felt that this was God. And, he, and so he was up 2 o'clock. He, he, woke, he went to bed. He got up in the morning and it was still very heavy in his heart what God had said. And so he went and did it. I think sometimes God wants to get us in those moments to settle us down, slow us down, and just hear what he has to say. He's got directions for us. He's going to help us and navigate through life. It's amazing. But who am I? Moses, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking at the wrong person. Stop looking at ourselves. Stop, stop looking at what we, we can or can't do. But rather, just look at who is asking you to do this? amazing dialogue. He lost perspective. He lost passion. He lost the promise. He lost vision. But most of all, he lost hope. You can lose a number of things in life, but when you lose hope, that's pretty sad. I think a lot of times we sometimes have lost hope, just briefly, maybe just momentarily in a situation or a circumstance that worked or didn't work or, or how we planned for and didn't, didn't work. Sometimes we wonder. We know we have an enemy that's constantly badgering us and, and picking on us and taunting us, trying to, to weary the saints, it says in the book of Daniel, that the enemy wearies the saints. And so we get weary. We get tired spiritually, physically, emotionally. We forget to look after our soul. The enemy is relentless. So Moses was in that part. We realised that Moses had, and we may look at this later on, not this week, had five excuses why he couldn't do it. And they're quite funny and quite sad at the same time. I think maybe we've also had excuses. Well, I'm married. I'm too young. I don't know. I haven't been to Bible college. I'm too old. I can't do this. I can't do that. I think we're going to stop saying the no and doing the go. I think if we go, we trust God with what we can't do. Moses started off in verse 4, here I am. Wow, this looks like it's going to be a great outcome. Here I am. But in verse 11, but who am I? Here I am. But now he's saying, who am I? Moses is going through this journey of dialogue. He looked to self. He said, this cannot be. God's made a mistake. This is the sense when we want to look at God and look at ourselves. You cannot do it unless you're seriously cross-eyed. You either have to look at yourself or look at God. You can't do both at the same time. Moses goes from reasonable inquiry to unreasonable doubt. Moses forgets who he's talking to. Moses is saying, I can't do it. I want to be friends with you, Lord, but I can't do this. What about David? A boy, David. Some would have never thought David would be the one. His brothers mocked him. 
He tried to take on, put on Saul's armor. It didn't fit, didn't work for him. The strategy didn't work. But also David had to question and he had to learn who he was. But more importantly, he had to learn who God was. There's Elijah the prophet and we could go on. He had to be brave enough to walk in right into the court of Ahab and Jezebel and tell them that there will be no rain for three years. Punishable by death. Chances of him being able to walk out would have to be a miraculous intervention of God. As in 1 Kings 17. So what happens is Moses was too, still too strong. Who am I? He was too strong in himself. Paul says it this way, Therefore I take no pleasure in infirmities, in reproach, reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12.10 It's a paradox that God doesn't want us to be strong in ourselves. He wants us to be strong in Him. This is the first one of those first chief key, chief key lessons to learn in following God that Moses had to get and we have to get. See, if there's too much of us, it's like John the Baptist prayed, I become less and you become greater. When there's more of us and less of God, there's problems. Has to always be more of God. In 1 Corinthians 1.37, it says, For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. You know, my toughest battles as a disciple, as a lover of God, is when I want and God wants. And I want my want to be more important and more significant than His want. When God asks me to do things and I, I struggle with that, when it creates tension, when there's still enough fighting me, where God is saying, you need to learn how to surrender. You need to learn how to trust me in this. You need to know how that, you just need to hold my hand. You don't need to do anything. You need to know my hand, hold my hand and let me do what I can do through you. Moses and Paul both recognised that God could move through them when they were weak. This is what Moses was learning. It comes down to any type of relationship that we have. When we humble ourselves and we, we say, I don't want to be boss in this. I don't want to lead this. I don't want to be strong in this. I want God's will, God's way. Surely that's where fullness of life can be found. It's only discovered when we lay down our lives. We lay down our dreams. Some of you maybe have done that. Maybe things didn't work out exactly how you thought they would in life. I think we've all got that. Why this? Why that? How come? Where's God? God's there. But sometimes the journey for us is like that wilderness experience of learning how we become to the end of ourselves so that God can start, that God can take control. Wouldn't we want him to have his perfect will outworked in our lives rather than what we think is best for us? Number three, God lays down Thor's hammer. He says, I am. But Moses said to God, who am I? And, and in verse 30, God, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fathers have sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Moses, it's not about you. In Genesis, the God, of, the God who is creator, he is Elohim, 
the mighty God, the self-existing one, the I am who is the I am. He is sending you, Moses. I am sending you, Moses, to deliver the children of Israel. There's only two things you need to do. God lays out the whole plan here. He says you're going to get the elders together and then you go to Pharaoh. There's only two things you had to do. God said, I'll look after everything else. God even told him this. This is how amazing. He says, Pharaoh won't listen to you. He won't, he won't do it. God is actually letting... I wonder about this and I've thought about this because this is interesting. God is letting Moses know that you need me, Moses, because not only is he not going to, to, to go with you and release the people, it's going to get ugly. In fact, there's going to be a battle going on. It's going to get nasty. And so Moses, you need to know where your strength comes from. You need to know who I am in the midst of this because it's not going to be pretty. In Psalm 135, verse 13, it says, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. The name Lord is translated, I am who I am. It's the most important aspect that we can understand of God. Is always is self-existent. He is God. He's never been created. No one created him. He has no beginning and no end. There's no limitation to who he is. He knows all things. He doesn't have to look into the future. He doesn't have to look into the past. This is God in pure essence and being, showing us and talking with Moses and teaching us through this who God is. God says, you are a child, Moses. I'm the parent here. I'm in charge. You need to listen. He says, I love you and I'm with you, but you must know who I am and that you are loved, that you are adored. What's interesting is that, and you can read different, different commentaries and different references about this, but the name I am, Yahweh or Jehovah, are probably not correct pronunciations. The simple reason being that the Jews were so, so careful and so considered this name to be sacred that they were very careful even to pass it down. So what happened, it became so sacred and holy that they've lost the pronunciation of it. In fact, the scribes, when they write out letters, would only write one and then break the, the pen and get another one. It was so considered as holy that in doing so, that they, they, they elevated this, this concept and actually lost the true pronunciation. And still to this day, there's, there's a lot of content out there saying it's close to Yahweh or Jehovah, but no one really knows. No one really knows. It got lost in the translation of trying to make something overly significant. And we lost it. I am with you, Moses. It's not a matter what happens to you. No matter where you go, whatever you do, I am. I will not fail you. I will not leave you. I will not disappoint you. In Hebrews 13.5, For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail nor give you up or leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. It's a contemporary amplified version. Isn't it amazing what we just hear? God assured Moses that he is with him. But not only that, God reveals something. The great I am reveals this. I am by name what I am by nature. 
That's what God was teaching him. Moses, I am by name, but I am by nature. You can trust me. I know a way through. I know, I've seen the end, I know it's going to happen. And we know when we watch and look at the life of Moses, he struggled at times to sincerely dig deeper and trust God. He fluctuated, he was up and down. Sometimes there were great days. Look, for goodness sake, he got to see the goodness of God, the backside of God's presence, because no man can see the front side of God and live. He had amazing opportunities, but at times he squandered them as well with his own internal inabilities. So Moses is confronted by God at the burning bush. He's told to go. He's told to bring God's people back, to set them free. He says, who's sending me? What do I say? Who are you? And God says, I am. I'm everything you need. When you're sad, I am what you need. When you're happy, I am what you need. Things are going well, I am what you need. When things are not going so well, I am what you need, Moses. I am. God says, I am. What does it mean to follow God for you and me? How do we put this into our everyday living? Maybe we need to ask ourselves some questions. In what ways are you following God that God would want to speak into that? Others, what weaknesses are you mindful of that God would say, now it's my turn? You're tired, you've been fighting, you've been doing, you've been trying, but now God's saying, let me take over. What is there that Jesus would ask of you that he needs more of or less of? And what do you do about that? So I know that we ask God with sincerity of heart, we ask Jesus as we come close. Is there any wicked way in me, Lord? Is there any offensive way in me? Lead me in the way of everlasting. Show me your way. Because my way doesn't work. But your way always works. Imagine that type of prayer. I think that's powerful. A revelation, a daily revelation of this understanding of who God is, the great I am. And I could speak a lot on that. I could put a list up here of hundreds, hundred names that we can know God by. Jehovah Sid can do my righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. We could keep going. We could keep going. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We could, I could put a hundred names there. This is the great I am. This is him. They're bringing it home. See, we have a call to follow. Whatever that looks like, whatever it sounds like, whatever it's shaped like, that's what God is asking of us. And Moses had to get this. He had to learn how weak he was. He had to learn how frail he was. He had to learn how barren he was. So then God said, I can now do what I need to do for you, Moses. You are now the clay. I need you to be. I am the potter. Let's close. Father, We pray this morning that you would encourage us in your word of truth and life. We get distracted and there's so much going on and we forget that 
Even the little details matter to you. The bits that we think are not important are important. That we've never been so loved by anyone as much as you. The songs that we're singing just remind us that we can be so desperately broken at times as we're learning how to, how to be well and whole and complete in you. And yet in the midst of this tension and this understanding, you fail not. Not one of your promises fail, the Scriptures teach us. And Lord, I pray for my friends and our church family, Lord, this morning and those who are guests even with us today, that we would again rediscover who you are. That the great I am won't be something we just read in a text and forget about it, but something resonates deep within our spirit that says you are amazing. No matter what mountain, no matter what hill, no matter what past, no no matter what memory, you are greater. So help us, Lord, to be reminded of this. We need to go. We need to not look at ourselves and go, who am I? Except acknowledge our weakness. We need to acknowledge who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.